It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you. Uh, Brent, our local John Deere equipment supplier and yours as well, um, our sponsor of the show, of course. Uh, they've got the naming rights and we uh, love uh, their association with us. Uh, between 9 and 12 this morning, uh, we shall be talking to Mealy Kerr, a White Ferns all-rounder, of course, but also Mumbai Indians uh, champion, the inaugural women's IPL, and Mealy Kerr uh, was part of the winning combination there. Uh, Gordon Simpson, a former Hurricanes loose forward, forward Scottish loose forward as well. Uh, played for North Harbour, the Wellington Lions, played for uh, Glasgow as well a uh, number of years. So uh, Gordon the Badger Simpson, uh, because he keeps a very close eye on the Hurricanes uh, throughout the uh, Super Rugby season, the old Hurricanes, and uh, Gordon Simpson, will have a chat to him about where he sees they are at. Uh, they're 4-1, and one, but they've had... Uh, the one game that uh, they have uh, lost was uh, against the New Zealand franchise. Otherwise, they've been uh, playing um, Moana Pacifica and the uh, Australian franchises, and uh, they're about to hit a slightly, a slightly tougher run, I would imagine. Uh, but they've got the force this weekend in Palmerston North. Jared Kenny after 10 o'clock. Now, Jared is the Bayhawks general manager. Uh, how busy have they been in the off season? Bearing in mind that the sales NBL is just around the corner. Uh, a panel this morning with James Regan and Hamish Bidwell. Um, Hamish also uh, a little controversial, which is uh, cool. And uh, then after uh, 11 o'clock this morning, uh, we're going to replay uh, an interview that staff did uh, yesterday with uh, David Moffat. Extracts from that interview anyway, because a number of interesting things. David Moffat, very, very interesting man. Uh, he has had uh, a heck of a career in sports administration. Uh, head of sport in England, New Zealand rugby, the NRL, Welsh rugby. Uh, one of the chief architects originally of SANZA, um, of course the alliance between South Africa, Australia and New Zealand. So uh, what does David Moffat think of New Zealand rugby right here, right now? He might be surprised. 11.30, uh, we shall have uh, stumped again this morning, so uh, that will be for 50 bucks. Uh, your texts will be welcome on double eight double three double eight double three. Um, so, Logan, we've got a relatively busy morning. We do, Smithy. We do. But before we get to it, uh, Kempi has kind of cut my lunch a little bit uh, in the crossover, but I do want to bring it up. I want to revisit something from Monday that you said on the show. S-E-N-Z. I gotta know the Warriors are gonna play the Broncos, which is another one of the great teams this season. They're playing uh, down the road from you at McLean Park. Will you go? Yep. Yes. You heard it there, if folks. I get, if I don't get free tickets from Cameron George, um, <laughs> I'm wiping him. He's right off my Christmas card list as well. So there you go. See George. Um, if you're bringing them to Napier, you're taking me. It's as simple as that. 
First of all, Smithy, how extensive is that Christmas card list? It's massive. It's probably I can if I if I take um, my shoes and socks off, um, I might need to use two or three toes. So there you go, twelve <laughs> or thirteen. All right. Well, on on Wednesdays we're running it straight here on SCNZ, uh, looking at the one New Zealand Warriors and uh, their campaign in the NRL and. They had CEO Cameron George on the show, and knowing that they were going to be on, I had to get Sam and Kempi to ask the question about you. I'm, like I say, Smithy, I look after you. This is what C. George had to say. Hey, mate, we're, I'm just going to say, Cam, just before we let you go, we've uh, we've been able to switch one of the, the hosts over to Rugby League here. His name's Ian Smith. He's a mad <laughs> cricket and rugby, as you know, and he reckons that if you don't send him some tickets for Napier, he's going to actually disown you and uh, and the Warriors he, once again. He, no, he, no, he, I think his exact line was, you get, you're get you getting taken off the Christmas card list. That's from Ian Smith. <laughs> Can you sort that out, Cam? Oh, I will, mate. Don't worry. I'll get him a meat pie and tomato sauce as well. Love it. Love uh, it. Hey, Cam, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, keep up the good work down there, mate. There you go. May 27, Smithy Broncos v Warriors at McLean Park. I think you got yourself uh, at least a meat pie and some tomato sauce. I hear they're pretty good. <laughs> tomato sauce. They're unbelievable, aren't they? Uh, unbelievable. Um, so the way those, those Australians, I know, you know he spends most of his life in New Zealand, but he's still sharp, isn't he? He's very, very sharp for a bloke who's... He's hardly an athlete himself. I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, he's he's, he's not going to break the, the marathon record, is he, Cameron George? For goodness, you know. So, And he's had a fairly in, interesting and busy social life. So uh, for him, it's a, it's a jibe. It's almost body shaming that uh, when you associate meat pies with me and, 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 and free tickets. I mean, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you guys are mates. I think he's just... We were. Um, <laughs> we were. Oh, no. okay. No, I, look forward, I look forward to that. It's a date on the calendar, May the 27th. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you go to that? That will be humming. McLean Park doesn't hum very often, I think it's fair to say. Um, every mm. now and then when they've uh, got the Ranfurly Shield um, and, uh, you know, it's a really good, strong challenge coming up, they might get uh, seven, 8,000 people. Uh, that's a great crowd, makes a lot of noise. But I'm, I'm thinking to myself... Uh, They'll get extra. They might even need extra seating for that because it's such a unique – it's a unique thing uh, for the Warriors to come to Hawke's Bay. And there are a lot of uh, league fans in Hawke's Bay, uh, Hawke's Bay as well. So I, I would, I'd be thinking people will travel a long way uh, as well from Manawatu and, you know, Taupo and places uh, – I can't travel at the moment from Poverty Bay, which is a real shame. But they had a great uh, catchment area here for sports. So – I'd, I'd be thinking that um, they will get a really, really good crowd May 27th, the Warriors. Yeah, I, I would hope so as well. I mean, I'm learning more and more each day about just how strong Hawks Bay is in terms of the sporting talent that they produce. We know Tohu Harris uh, comes from there. You know, doing a lot of research on the Bay Hawks uh, ahead of this season, just seeing the big names that have come out of there, uh, like one Paul Hinade, like Jared Kenny, like their coach. Uh, it's it's a great region, Smithy. Um, I can't wait to see McLean Park absolutely packed out for the Warriors. No, uh, I think that'll be great. And, uh, of course, um yeah, South NBL, the Bayhawks, and we'll be talking uh, very closely uh, about them with, with Jared Kenny, as you say. Uh, he's the general manager uh, around here, and uh, their season, uh, like the rest, kicks off um, 
early in uh, the next month, so uh, not that far away at all. Uh, we'll take a quick break, shall we? And, and uh, when we come back, we'll go um, and try and find Mealy Kerr, the ever successful Mealy Kerr. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The judges of this award described her as the player who has clearly provided the most impact over the past year. So it's my very great pleasure to announce that the winner of the very first Debbie Hockley medal is Mealy Kerr. wild week it was uh, last week for Mealy Kerr. One day she's been recognised for an incredible season with the White Ferns. As the inaugural winner of the Debbie Hockley medal, then a couple of days later she's helping the Mumbai Indians to win the first ever WPL title. Mumbai did so by beating the Delhi Capitals with three balls remaining, chasing 132. Uh, Mealy took two wickets before uh, lending her hand with the bat as England's Nat Siverbrunt smashed her way to 60 and to victory. Millie Kerr is now back in New Zealand, terra firma, and I'm pleased to say that uh, she's been good enough to wake up early enough uh, to talk to us this morning. G'day, Millie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm cool. Um, first of all, let's uh, touch on the uh, Debbie Hockley medal. I heard a little bit of your uh, acceptance speech. Of course, you weren't there on the night. Uh, what does it mean to you uh, to be recognised as the inaugural winner? Um. Yeah, it's just a real honour and very special. I mean, um, you know, you've been at the Cricket Awards watching the Sir Richard Hadley medal and how much that means to all the Black Caps. And so to have a Debbie Hockley medal now is, um, it's amazing. And, you know, it's not the reason you play, but it's nice at the end of the season to have some recognition, um, I guess, for the hard work of the year. Um, but yeah, it, it is very special and I think for me at the moment with the White Ferns, the support staff we have and the players around me, I just feel like I'm learning and growing so much and in a great place and um, that's allowed me, I guess, to put out some good performances this year and I guess now it's just always striving to get better. So, Melly, um, the reaction from uh, your teammates, did you, uh, even though you're on the other side of the world, good, good reaction? Yeah, they, um, they're an awesome bunch there, White Sands girls. I got a few nice messages uh, from the team. I think they all had a great night. Obviously, the Cricket Awards hadn't happened for a while um, with COVID, so they made the most of it, and I was glad I could be there in person um, to celebrate with everyone else. But, um, yeah, they had a great night, and that um, is a family, the White Ferns. So, um, yeah, they, they had a few nice messages, and glad they enjoyed their night too. Well, on the subject of uh, inaugural, of course, um, a couple of months ago, and uh, it all happened very quickly. You were signed by the Mumbai Indians, one of two New Zealanders, in the inaugural uh, women's uh, PL competition. 191,000 uh, US they paid for you. Um, tell us uh, a wee bit about uh, the experience of, of, of that competition. 
I think it was one of the best best months of my life. Um, the auction obviously happened and you didn't really know what it was about. It was on the same day as um, playing South Africa in the World Cup. So that probably made it a bit tricky for some for some but it was it was the same for everyone and then got to India my dad came over for the whole time which was pretty special and uh, to get picked up by Mumbai as well you know they're a very successful franchise and I've heard a lot about them and Charlotte Edwards was the head coach and for me I've worked with her once before and she's one of the best coaches going around in the world so I love that opportunity Uh, we obviously had Nat Siva Brunt and the Indian captain and um, I mean, those opportunities to play off players like that too was outstanding. But, yeah, the cricket was incredible. You go out and you're playing in front of full crowds. The passion they have over in India, it's it's amazing. And then off the field, like Mumbai talk about one family, and it truly is uh, one family. They, they look after you well and... Um, it's an amazing country. That's amazing, an amazing country when you're going there for cricket. So, yeah, I had a blast, and obviously winning helps the enjoyment factor. But you know, despite the results, it was um, win or lose. It would have been such an amazing experience, and made even better by getting the win. So uh, the final was at Braybourne Stadium. Uh, that has a capacity of around uh, fifty thousand. It's a, a quite incredible stadium, one of a few around the Mumbai area, but. Um, how did you feel in terms of uh, that atmosphere? I mean, uh, we see it with the, the men's IPL and we sort of get used to it, but for women's cricket, that is an absolute first to get that kind of fever pitch stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember as a kid wanting to play in the IPL after watching the men's teams and you know watching cricket growing up and seeing how many people uh, they get to play in front of and thinking that will never happen. Um, and so to experience it was amazing. Uh, the final was sold out in a few hours, and we'd had a few games previously throughout the tournament at the DY Patel Stadium, which seated more, and that was full in some of the games as well. Um, so I think the tournament was a real success as well for women's cricket and the fans and the viewership they got. I think uh, they, they were pleased with it and didn't expect it to go so well. So... That's, again, amazing for the women's game, but to go out there in a final play in front of that many people, but also that many people who cheer for everything. You know, you're running out to the boundary and they're screaming at you, you give them a wave, and it's the greatest thing in the world for them. So, um, yeah, it's an amazing atmosphere. Um, I've been to India once before and loved my time then, and, it's yeah, it's one of my favourite places to go for cricket. Do you feel any different pressure? playing in that environment, uh, bearing in mind you're a marquee player in, in this franchise, this first ever franchise, do you feel a different kind of pressure? Not really. I don't really think, I guess, about that external stuff or the pressure. For me, it's, again, just going back to what I do um, and sticking to my game plan. And I know that you know I've invested in that and I've trusted and practiced that a lot, that if I stick to that, hopefully it's going to come off more times than not and uh, I think being an all-rounder helps because you know you fail at one thing you've got a chance in the next innings to do something Um, but I mean there's obviously some pressures you want to perform going over being an overseas player and and you want to do well for your your team Um, but most of all it's just enjoying it and 
I absolutely loved it, and I know when I'm loving my cricket, that's when I play my best. Um, what I guess playing in front of that many people, you, I just zone it out, but it's in between balls where you kind of recognise how special it is. Do you find yourself in India now, even after um, this inaugural tournament, uh, recognisable? Do you find yourself, uh, you know, because cricketers generally become very, very big stars over there, um, and it's very hard to go most places without being recognised by someone. Do you, do you find, have you found that already? Yeah, India's, India's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think wherever, if we went out wherever we went, there was photos taken. So um, we, we, found, we were kind of on the outskirts of Mumbai, but we found a wee local cafe, and every time we went there, uh, we, got, we got photos taken every single time. Nat Siver and I signed the wall at the cafe, so I'm going to have to go back there in 20 years' time. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I, I went to the supermarket once with my dad and, you know, the staff are getting photos with you. So um, it happened to most people when we went out and I think that's just the passion they have for cricket in India and um, I think for us it's not as not as bad. I know that Harman Precor, the captain of India, went to the mall once and got bombarded and had to leave. So it's definitely growing and you get you get that over there in India. Do you pinch yourself, Mealy Kerr? You're only 22. Uh, of what uh, has happened through cricket in your life already? Yeah, I'm absolutely living my dream. Um, I think I was about eight years old, and I I used to write a lot. And I had this book, and I wrote my dream to be a white fern um, and play for the Wellington Blaze. By the time I was 18, and um, I remember watching the IPL as a kid with Dad wanting watching the Chennai Super Kings that was my team growing up and saying to dad one day I want to be a Chennai Super Queen so um <laughs> as a kid as a kid it's yeah everything I dreamed of I used to go down to the nets when I was about 10 years old before school with dad pretend I was a white fern and make him get up early to throw balls at me or catch balls for me so to be where I am now doing what I love it's special and um one, it couldn't be done without all the people that have helped me get here. But yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm living the dream, and to have the opportunities opportunities there are now for women in the sport is amazing. And it's it is um, it's and it's growing very quickly. I've got to add, Melia, and it's because I think of the profile that um, uh, the likes of yourself are giving the sport here in New Zealand. I think is reflective of that. Hey, tell us about that. Uh, the last couple of overs or so, the last moments. Of that final, I mean, as you say, Nat Siverbrunt, probably, uh, I would say, one of the top one or two all-rounders in women's cricket in the world, maybe in the history of the game, she's that talented. Tell us about what you talked about in that pressure situation. Yeah, well, she, in my eyes, she's the best player in the world. Um, and, yeah, obviously, we I thought we could have bowled them out for 100 in the final, and then they got this partnership, and... I guess run chasers sometimes do funny things and they bowled and fielded well and I guess I was on the bench watching for a while as Harmon and Nat had that partnership and went out to bat. Um, I wasn't. I don't think I get nervous but I yawn a lot in those situations um, <laughs> just because it's relaxing. So I was walking out to bat and had a massive yawn and Nat's first thing she says is, are we keeping you up? 
Um, so she, <laughs> she, she was pretty relaxed. She was in the zone and she wanted to finish the job. And when you're going out there with her, who's in and the best in the world, you know, you have that belief that you can win. And for me, I guess fortunately with um, in my career, I've kind of batted everywhere. So I've been in those situations before and, as a, you know, those are the situations you dream of when you're a kid. Those are the situations when I was at primary school I'd write about and creative writing. So um, to go out there and have that opportunity to, to do something and I guess I wanted to be aggressive too to take the pressure off Matt. I didn't want her have to have to get all those runs and um, it was sticking to my best option. But, yeah, when I went out there with her, I felt a real belief that we're going to do this and, you know, when you're going out in those situations, that that's what you want to feel. And that's, again, just stripping it back. Once that ball's being bowled, I was very in the zone and it was about what's my best option to get, get a multiple or a boundary here. And if not, I'm going to get off strike. So um, now that you're home for a, a small period of time, what's next on the calendar for you? Yeah, well, I'm on a on a break now, so it's nice to have some time at home and um, it's kind of been non-stop since the Commonwealth Games so it's been full on um, so yeah now it's time to probably just en- enjoy being back back with family and friends and catching up with people um, but yeah after that the White Ferns will kick in I think we have a tour to Sri Lanka coming up um, and then the season kind of starts again and it's full on but um, I love being home and it's nice to be with my people again and um, yeah it's it's been a massive year and I probably didn't think didn't know that I was going to be away so much and didn't know how I was going to go with being away but I've absolutely loved my time and, and now it's just going to be nice to sit back I guess and, and reflect and be with the people I love it's a very uh, crossroady time, I, I think, for the White Ferns. Uh, uh, it's a side that should actually, I think, on paper, perform a wee bit better than it does, Mealy, and I, I would imagine you agree uh, would have been in agreement with that. So what has to be done in terms of the White Ferns? Because from the White Ferns, of course, uh, if they play well, uh, the team gets noticed, the individuals get noticed, other individuals then perhaps join you in the uh, in India or 100 or these other franchises. Uh, one thing leads to another. So what has to happen for the White Ferns? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, I guess it's been a theme where we haven't performed in World Cups and we had the Commonwealth Games where we did and it's probably since I've been in the team a world tournament where we, we stepped up and did and did well but yeah, it's been the World Cup was disappointing for us. Um as those first two games we, we did not play play well and we've got some amazing talent and some great experience and some young players coming through and I think with the support stuff we're building at the moment we're in a good place to to grow and get better um, I think a massive thing is belief I think well, I guess with whatever you do in life if you have the belief you're good enough that's that's so important and I guess you need performances to back back to help back that up but when if we can find that belief to grow as a team um, and know that we can win in any situation I think that's so important we're obviously playing more cricket now so and that's that's the best learning and where the best growth happens. But, you know, we perform well, then people get picked up in those overseas leagues, which improves your cricket and grows your 
grows your game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge for the White Ferns, but I think now with us all being more professional, um, the support staff we have, we're, we're going to build and get better. And we've got some young players now who have only played a handful of games. Um, and the more they play, the better they get. Um, and, yeah, I think we've just got to step up step up in those big situations, which we haven't done, but if we can get that belief and, and find a way, that, that's how we're going to get there. Well, Millie Kerr, it's been terrific catching up with you. Uh, heartiest congratulations on uh, what you achieved. Um, I find it staggering that you're still only 22 years of age uh, with all the cricket you've played and the success you've had. But uh, go on living the dream because it sounds like you had it mapped out a long, long time ago and it's coming to fruition. Congratulations and, and thanks, Mealy, for your time. I know it's uh, been a bit tough of a jet lag and things, so we appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for chatting. Cheers, Smithy. See you, see you, Mealy. See you around at some stage. It'd be great. Thank you. Terrific. Uh, Terrific young woman. Honestly, can you believe it? Just 22 years of age and as an eight-year-old writing things down as if to say, this is where I want to go, this is where I want to be, and doing it. Absolutely. Oh, I think it's a great story. It really is. She's a terrific young lady. 9.32 here on SENZ. The Rebels, 39.33. Uh, lost to uh, the Blues, 25-19, which was uh, a bit of a hiccup. Uh, beat the Waratahs, 34-17. And at the weekend, they absolutely drubbed Moana Pacifica, 59 nil. Uh, so to chat with uh, us this morning about the Hurricanes is uh, one Gordon Simpson. Now, Gordon Simpson, a.k.a. the Badger, had uh, his time with North Harbour, with Wellington, the Hurricanes, uh, went across to Scotland, of course, Caledonia Reds, the Glasgow Warriors, and uh, Scotland, where he uh, made 15 appearances for Scotland. So uh, a man well qualified to look from the outside, looking in at the, the current Hurricanes uh, unit. Uh, Gordon Simpson, good morning to you. Hey, Smithy, how are you doing? Yeah, cool to catch up with you, man. Uh, look, here, 150 years, I've just got a text from Paul, 150 years of North Shore rugby this month, uh, and being April coming up, I mean, and Badger, you're uh, being a big part of that in the past. Those North Shore days, eh? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a big year for North Shore. Um, I believe they've done a, a bit of a book on it too, uh, with a few profiles in there. Um, so, yeah, big year, there's a lot going on. Um, unfortunately, I'm in, a, I'm in a cask at the moment with a torn bicep, so I was hoping to go to the golf day, but I've had to um, pull the pin on that. That's <laughs> no good at all. How'd you do that? Nah. Oh, just working, just um, trying to think that I was 21 again and can still sort of um, leg press a lot more than um, when you can when you're 51 years old. So, yeah, just, <laughs> just, just being a typical bloke and being a bit of an idiot and um, trying to show the young boys that it's still had the um, still had that kind of strength, which clearly I didn't. So yeah, I've only got myself. To okay. Blame. Yeah, <laughs> you've always been one uh, not to shirk something, not to shirk a challenge. Uh, from my memory, anyway. Uh, looking um, on, looking at this Hurricanes uh, start to the season, how have you assessed it? Four and one, but I'll put a runner in there. The one, the real tough one they have uh, was the loss to the Blues. Aside from that, uh, things have looked pretty comfortable. Yeah, and um, 
you, like you mentioned, they've, they've sort of had one hiccup with the uh, the, the uh, New Zealand team. Um, they probably didn't help themselves out in that game with a couple of um, yellow cards. Um, well, in a red card ended up being. Um, so, yeah, not not great. But, um, listen, they've done what they've needed to do against those sort of, I guess, the teams where they probably were expecting to win. Um, they've certainly come a long way since last year. They had a couple of hiccups, obviously, last year with... Moana Pacifica, which they doubt to on the weekend, and obviously they've got another one this coming weekend against the Foresight. Um, I think they, they sort of started off um, quite well, and they've sort of just grown, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of excitement from my, from my point of view as far as where the Hurricanes are sort of sitting right now and where they could potentially build to. Well, building, of course, uh, they have to build in the future because uh, Artie's not going to be with them next year, but he is at the moment, although uh, I'm led to believe he's not playing this weekend because of the all-black resting policy along with uh, Safa Omoa. What do you make of that? Yeah, listen, this whole resting thing for the all-blacks, listen, I think what we're in week six uh, and they're getting rested. Um, I've never been a believer of that. I believe that you always put out your strongest team, despite the, whatever opposition you're playing. Um, listen, this, this is what they've done for the last few years, I believe, with the All Blacks. Um, it is what it is. Um, I'm not a fan of it, never have been. Obviously, with the Hurricanes and how they're playing at the moment, um, having that sort of sort of uh, consistency around team selection uh, is key. Um, but like like I said, it is what it is, and um, I'm not a fan of it, but you, you sort of move on. And to be fair, uh, the loose forward trio is one of the sort of exciting parts of what I'm seeing this year with the Hurricanes. I think all the loose forwards that have sort of been put out there within the Hurricanes team is, have stepped up, and um, they're making a real difference at the moment. Right, let's uh, look at that, because I, I, I wrote them down. Flanders, uh, Lakai, Karifi, yep. Sevilla, Lakai. Uh, 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 Peter Lakai is, is in there TK Howden, Braden Uasi, Reed Princept There's a lot of depth there Gordon Yeah and I think um, You know and I think like I, I mentioned Previously um, these guys are really Stepping up and they just seem to be working Really well as a unit um, I've been very really impressed uh, With Devin Flanders um, He's probably not a guy that sort of rolls off the tongue A lot around the New Zealand public At the moment um, but Obviously sort of playing in the loose forwards myself previously, I tend to watch these guys a lot more than maybe the other positions on the field. Um, and I, I just feel that that guy, Devin Flanders, has um, really picked up his game and has really sort of come onto the scene this year. And, um, you know, I, what I say about him is watch his space. I think he's got some really good attributes um, as far as um, going sort of higher honours. Um, Terrific, I said it from day one, uh, I think this year is going to be a massive year for him. Um, I've always been a real big fan of his. I think he's he's sort of um, sort of untouched at the moment and, and probably needs to maybe give him that chance at the higher level, uh, especially probably with a lot of exodus next year. Um, I think he's an out-and-out drafter uh, and just does all the hard stuff and, and all the stuff that maybe the, the, the likes of those flamboyant sort of open sides um, do. He's sort of just a grafter, and but he does the, the, the core the core roles awesome. Um, and obviously we've got Artie there too, um, and he just leads from the front. And when you've got a guy like him leading from the front, the other guys following, this is what's happening at the moment. And I feel with the improvement of the tight five with the Hurricanes, the loose forwards are really feeding off a well, and, and really um, I would be, I would, I'd have to say I'd like to know a better loose forward trio going around at the moment than the Hurricanes. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, behind, you mentioned the Type 5, and uh, of course there's um, a real all-black uh, element to uh, the front row. Um, the locks, um, of course, um, perhaps not quite so high profile, but the group um, are just a tradesman, aren't they? Um, they? They work damn hard. Yeah, and I think Dominic Bird got a start last week, and you know he's just an out-and-out grafter, and it was great to see him sort of uh, get a chance. And um, you know he showed his true worth last week. Just does the you know that sort of dark space stuff. You know, probably not the, the, the sort of the ball running second, sort of second row guy that maybe we've got a few of now, but um, just does the hard yards. Isaiah Walker-Lou, where he, listen, he gives away a few penalties, but he also he's a big he's a big presence on the field, and you need that kind of guy, especially in the second row for for a team. Um, and um, I'm just I can't remember the other one we've got as far as uh, the second row. Oh, it's um, the other grafter. I forget his name. The um, the gingerhead. Another, another good, yeah. good redhead boy. Um, he, his name escapes me for a second. Um, he, um, yeah, he's obviously a tireless worker too, and um, and um, I, I think he's pretty much a mainstay of that that second row for the Hurricanes. So, listen, I think the second row, um, we've probably had our problems over the over the last few years with our second row, and I think these guys are sort of building a good platform. Um, yes, there is certainly more improvement to go, um, but. You know, you just need that grunt in that second row. You need that. You need these guys to sort of um, get that um, tight five working really hard up front. And um, I think at the moment they're doing that. Yeah, uh, I think the guy you're talking about is James Blackwell, but uh, he's been a, a, just James a workhorse for yeah, yeah, yeah yep. the whole time. Uh, also, uh, I, I'm not quite sure how much attention you forwards pay to backs these days, but it looks like they've got uh, Roy Gard and Cameron coming together quite nicely. Uh, and also Billy Proctor's having a season and a half. Yep, listen, um, probably during my playing days, I didn't really give them much thought at all. Um, I was a big fan of 10-man rugby. Um, but um, obviously obviously now being more of a sort of, a, not, not so much a critic, but uh, obviously watching the whole game and, and sort of more of a whole sort of performance. Um, I've mentioned these uh, guys before. I think Brett Cameron... Um, it's sort of taken his time to sort of develop this year, but I think in the last few games has really started to to um, uh, drive these sort of hurricanes around the field. Um, he seems to have the trust um, within the team, um, and I just think he's going from strength to strength. He's looking more comfortable, um, and like I said, he's, he seems to be controlling the game really well. His his um, partnership with Cam Roygaard, well, listen, this guy's the, um, I, I guess it's been sort of, Murmured around lately, the, the, the sort of the bolter for that um, that that All Blacks um, World Cup squad, the, the the third position, maybe the third halfback. Um, he's sort of putting his hand up. He's performing well. He's got a great running game. Great, he's a good, good distributor, um, and just seems to have good vision too around the field. So those two are forming a really good um, combination at the moment. Um, long long may it continue. Um, and you know, obviously they. Um, I guess both of them are wanting to put their hand up as well for sort of higher honours. So, yeah, really impressed with those two at the moment. Uh, Gordon, uh, obviously we all know Artie goes at the end of the season, but the Hurricanes have countered that by re-signing Brad Shields, who'll be 32, uh, when he comes back into a Hurricanes jersey. Uh, interesting signing. Yeah, it is interesting, but um, before he left, obviously he was a key, key, uh, key ingredient for that Hurricanes team. I think he'll bring back a lot of experience. Yes, we do. We're probably going to lose a lot of experience, obviously, of Artie um, and that, uh, a few others moving on. Um, so having someone like him coming back into it with his experience, 
not just domestically but internationally too. Um, we massive for the for the um, for the Hurricanes and. Listen, there are some, there are some young, um, young guys sort of putting their hand up at the moment, but they're still going to need guidance moving forward. I think this Hurricanes team is really exciting with, if they continue to keep these guys that are there now, um, with, with the, um, with the youth and exuberance that they have there. Um, I can only see better things from the Hurricanes if they keep the squad together. Um, Jason Holland just seems to have an eye for that, that young talent and he's, and he's, he's brought in some really good ones and, um, but you've obviously got to have that pinch of experience as well. So I, I think it's a good signing. Uh, I'm not sure how long he'll be here, whether it's a year or two years, but um, whether he whether he's a starter or not, but just having him within the squad is, is, is key, especially with his experience. Uh, the signs are good for the Hurricanes this year. Um, uh, we've just run out of time here, I think, Gordon. Otherwise, I was going to ask you about uh, Scotland. Uh, but very quickly, Scotland, yeah? Um, yeah, OK? Yeah. Yeah, listen. I think they're performing really well. They had their, they had their chance against Ireland. Um, they're not far off. Uh, they'll probably try and tweak a few things, but don't be surprised as a maybe a, a, a surprise at the uh, the Rugby World Cup. Ireland, France, pretty um, pretty impressive. Uh, going back to your days, the, what about this current crop? Yeah, listen, France. I think they sort of they, they probably peaked in that last game against um, England. So. They'll be on a high moving forward. Um, Ireland, they just seem to be the best team at the moment in, in all aspects of play, whether it's the, the breakdown, whether it's the attack, um, whether it's defence. So I think a lot of teams are going to sort of take a little bit on board as far as what they're doing at the moment because they're doing it well and seem to be... Um, and they're on the top at the moment. So they're, they're certainly the, the linchpin sort of to aim for for a lot of teams at the moment. Uh, yeah. Gordon Simpson, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. Just uh, looking uh, at very closely at the Hurricanes there. A lot of positive signs there. Uh, just remember, mate, yes, sure. the body doesn't the, the body doesn't always react to what the mind can think. So just go careful uh, and enjoy that reunion. Yeah, no, will do, Smith. I appreciate you having me on. Cheers, uh, Gordon Badger Simpson there, folks. Uh, 9.46 here on SENZ. CNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold it, know when to fold it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, a great run came to an end yesterday because uh, USA could not beat Canada in the ICC cricket qualifiers uh, for the World Cup, so uh, they were beaten. Um, so that uh, ended. Um, so today we'll head into another one. Of course, there's NRL tonight, isn't there? The Roosters against the Eels. A dollar fifty-two. We'll take the Roosters, I think. Um, and the UAE. And um, we'll go back to that ICC qualifying stage. The UAE to beat the USA at a dollar sixty-five. And uh, the Lakers to beat the Bulls this afternoon. The Lakers to beat the Bulls up and down. The Lakers, it's on, on paper. They should mince the Bulls, but oh, I'm not sure about it. But I'll take them. I'll take them. And I hope the, the big boys are all available and uh, firing. So $1.52 into $1.65, $1.69. Roosters, UAE, Lakers. Uh, Multi's out to $4.23. $4.23. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Yeah, just a little bit of housekeeping, folks. Uh, we're getting a lot of texts in to say, look, 549am uh, in the Hawke's Bay area has been off uh, air for quite some time. Um, uh, upwards uh, coming up towards uh, five or six days, maybe a little bit longer for some people. So we're aware of that, um, and but we do thank you for your messages of, of concern. Um, it proves that we've got uh, a good listening base here and uh, they're uh, concerned about the issue. So we're working very, very hard on I can promise you that. Uh, we're not the only radio station uh, impacted by this because it, uh, it's a transmitting thing more than anything else. Uh, the latest uh, we have been told uh, by the suppliers that, that uh, parts are expected to be installed today and hopefully uh, we could be back on the air at some stage today. Um, there are uh, just some issues. It's, it's very much um, post-cyclone as well. It's very easy to just blame uh, the cyclone for that kind of thing, but of course um, a lot of areas are impacted there uh, as a result of that. So um, we are aware of it. We sincerely apologise uh, for it. Um, but uh, we are working at uh, fever pitch because we realise it's a big issue and uh, we've got a great catchment area out there uh, uh, that want to listen to us. Of course, we're still on the app, um, but um, in terms of the station, hopefully, we shall be uh, up and running maybe today, cross fingers, but as soon as possible. So uh, thanks for your messages, uh, but please realise we are working overtime to get it back up. It's coming up to 10 o'clock. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the sales NBL tips off for 2023 season. Next Thursday, it's uh, creeping up uh, so fast on everybody. It runs for 15 rounds up and down the country uh, before the final series takes place in late July. And one team looking to improve upon last year's top six finish is uh, one uh, pretty dear to us here in the Hawke's Bay area. And that, of course, is the Bayhawks. And uh, joining us now is the general manager for that uh, particular franchise, Jared Kenny. G'day, Jared. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. No, no problem at all. Um, Jared, over a decade as a player, what spurred you into the CEO role or the general manager role? Um, yeah, I, I'm still planning on playing, so my career is not quite over, and I, I don't know if that's a good decision. Um, now that I'm in the middle of it, um, trying to play and, and do the general manager role, but it was more just a uh, case of circumstances came about, and um, I'd ca- kind of winding down my playing career, and it was an opportunity for me to move off the court um, into the front office, and um, I've been here a long time and passionate about this uh, team and this community, so for me it was a chance to try and take the bull by the horns and, and see what I could make of it. How do you split your time then, in terms of that? Uh, we might have just heard the siren going off. I'm actually at training at the moment. Um, so I just quickly stepped off to the sideline to talk to you guys. But, um, you know, we train in the morning and the evening. So I get up, um, do the general manager role for a bit, head off to training um, for an hour or two, come back, do the general manager role, and then back to training as a player in the evening. But um, I actually find it quite good that... that um, break in the general manager role and getting doing some physical activity and moving the body and getting the blood flowing when I come back to doing all the front office stuff again my mind's quite fresh and I'm kind of rejuvenated a bit Jared of course um, Pettigrew Green Arena is home for uh, the Bayhawks it is very very close to uh, some of the areas heavily impacted by the cyclone how did the stadium how did your base come through no, we were lucky actually that Pettigrew um, was was fine and survived the flooding. Um, across the road, though, at EIT, they were just a little bit lower and they were um, severely affected by uh, the flood water. So 
um, for us, it was a bit of a blessing. I think if we had have lost um, uh, Pettigrew and the stadium had got water in it, that might be season ending for us. Um, so it was a big break. Jared, um, with that in mind, the cyclone and the impact of the cyclone, of course, in the Hawke's Bay area, uh, this will be, I think, uh, one of uh, the first um, big sporting events that um, sort of resumes uh, the basket. Are you conscious of uh, what it means to people in the area as, as a bit of a relief? Yeah, yeah, very much so. We we spend a bit of time um, discussing and, and talking about whether it was appropriate to go ahead with the season and whatnot at the time when it occurred. And obviously our naming right um, sponsor, Taylor Corp, they, they were severely affected. So, you know, we kind of had all these conversations and um, we kind of came to the conclusion that that word you used, relief. You know, um, we had a pre-season game last weekend and it was great to see people come in, um, raise some money for the Cyclone Relief Fund and um, just put smiles back on faces and give people that escape from... I guess what they're dealing with every day. Um, so for us, we are very aware of um, the effect that we have on the community, and, and we just want to try and provide something positive for them to to come along and enjoy. Well, one of the interesting things about the the role that you've got, of course, is you're basically hiring teammates uh, and negotiating with teammates, which I would I would imagine makes it uh, quite an interesting thing. How have you found that? Yeah, it's a different dynamic. Um, the direction I've kind of gone with it is we hired a head coach and he is responsible for the building of the team and the hiring and, and what value he places on each individual financially, I guess. Um, so for me as a teammate, I'm kind of taken out of that equation. Obviously, I have um, had to deal with the contracts and whatnot, but um, for me, it was more I don't want to be involved in the selection or or whatnot of the team because that's not my role as the general manager. My role is to organise things, get everything in place so that the head coach can, can worry about doing his job, which is coaching. Well, the head coach uh, that you have uh, appointed as uh, a franchise is Everard Bartlett, of course, uh, who has a very fond memory of uh, being a Bayhawks player. Yeah, he does. He does. And um, that selection process was quite a difficult one. Um, we went back and forward on a number of guys and we ended up um, uh, selecting Everard and I think we've made the right choice. You know, he's local, he knows what um, it is to be a Hawk. He's had success as a Hawk and he's had success personally in his own basketball career. Um, so, you know, he's, he's been doing a great job pre-season and obviously we kick off next week, uh, so only time will tell. Every now and then um, I'm out and about around the Hawks Bay area and sometimes that coincides with... Uh, watching kids as they uh, they go to school um, and driving past. There's a lot more young kids carrying basketballs and rugby balls these days. The growth of the sport is amazing. It is. I, I believe it, it was or it still is the fastest growing sport in New Zealand and, and I think it's even the most participated sport in New Zealand now. So um, the game is definitely growing. There are uh, numbers at the grassroots level. Um, so it's great to see, you know, and, and we're just trying to have an effect on that by um, what we do, going into schools, coaching these kids, trying to uh, upskill them and upskill the, the community and just make sure that love for the game grows. Uh, Jared, uh, goals for the season. Uh, mentioned last year, top six. So I would imagine higher aspirations this time around. Yeah, I think um, obviously it's semi-professional, professional sport. You're always trying to win it. Um, for us, 
that's our goal. We want to win it, but we do see that as being kind of the cream on the crop. You know, we have a lot of good young local players that we want to see develop here in Hawke's Bay and take the next step to be professional basketballers. So that's um, something we're, we're passionate about and working on as well. Um, but, yeah, we, we would like to go a couple of steps further and win it. You made a, a very interesting and early signing. You managed to lure Jordan Natai uh, away from the Saints. Uh, how's he fitting in? Oh, great. Jordan, is, um, he, he's been awesome since he's been here. He, uh, he, he stepped into that, that leadership role and, and kind of exactly what we envisioned for him, he's, he's done so far. Um, we kind of signed him as an import um, in our eyes. He, he is an import quality player and it was an easy decision for us to try and bring someone of his calibre here and we know what his character is like, we know what his worth ethic, ethics like and we obviously know what he can do on the court. So uh, tell us um, in general about your squad compared to last year, your comings and goings apart from Jordan Natai. Um, yeah, we've got a couple of new faces. We've got uh, a young fellow, Josh, who's come up from Wellington. Um, hard, he plays hard. He's a, a physical player. We've got another guy, Denim, come down from Auckland. Um, athletic, can shoot the ball. Um, we've got uh, Hiram Harris back. Uh, Ethan's back. Darone's back. Jordan Hunt's back. Um, and we've got a couple of young boys that have been in the squad for a few years now, Kobe. Um, Jacob Murphy, we've got Lamore uh, and myself so we've got a good mix of um, experience, youth um, but I think the, the main thing that I've enjoyed is that we've got a lot of guys that are hungry that have goals to further their basketball careers so it's been great to see them come every day and do not only what we ask of them but also putting in the extras and doing their own stuff So what is the Everard Bartlett style of basketball. What what is that going to show us from the the Bayhawks this year? Oh, I think you'll see us uh, a lot more aggressive and intense defensively. Um, we'll be up the court pressuring. We'll be into the ball a lot more, making it difficult for teams to run their systems. Uh, offensively, you'll see a bit of both from us. You'll see us running and pushing the ball and transition in the fast break. But at times, you'll also see us. Uh, uh, executing in the half court and making sure we get a good shot. First up, uh, Franklin Bulls. Uh, tell us about the research you've been doing on them. Yeah, they're they're a bit of a new team. They've got a new coach, a few new players come in. Um, obviously, with their coach being Breakers assistant coach, um, we, we've done a little bit of scouting and they do run a lot of Breakers sets. Um, and and I, I know Daniel... Um, from, from discussions with him about certain things and I know he's very defensive minded so you know we're preparing uh, for them to be aggressive defensively and try and put us on the back foot How do you scout imports? I mean they've got Ricky McGill and Jamal Brantley, the uh, older brother of uh, Jarrell of course, how, how do you scout imports? Um, that's a great question, I think it's a combination of a lot of things uh, Obviously, um, having played the game and interacted with a number of imports uh, helps. Um, there's obviously the video footage these days is amazing and it's a lot easier to find video on players and not just highlights, but full game videos where you can kind of judge everything from their offense, defense, their interaction with teammates, how they behave on the bench, their attitude, things like that. So. Um, that's a big part of it. And then obviously just references and, and talking to other coaches and other 
um, leagues and franchises around the world and how they've found players and, and whatnot. Okay. Uh, you've got a, a pretty tough uh, first couple of uh, days in the league, actually, or a couple of nights, because um, you just get over Thursday and then, of course, you, you head to Wellington to take on the Saints. Um, and that'll be Jordan Nightwise's first game against his old club, of course. Uh, Kyle Adnam is back in the league playing for the Saints. Uh, how do you think uh, Coach Bartlett will look to compete with that backcourt match-up there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough start for us. You know, obviously, Frankston are going to be a, a good game up there and then to get on the plane the next day and fly to Wellington and fly probably and play against probably one of our, um, our biggest rivals, uh, I think. So, And obviously, Jordan's return. I think Jordan's return being early in the season is great. There won't be all that anxiety. You won't be thinking about it for a long time. Um, but I know, I know Ev is putting a game plan together and obviously... Um, they are very talented, but I think we have quite a, a physically dominant team. So I think, you know, we'll be looking at taking advantage of them um, in some of those small guards in the post. Um, just on from an administrative point of view, are you happy with the the, the level of interest uh, back here in the bay? With um, the you know the reliability and the faithfulness faithfulness of your sponsors, etc., and the, and the memberships. Yeah, no, I mean, this is my first season at it and uh, a lot of things are very new to me, but um, the support we have down here is amazing. Um, guys that are, you see on the sideline year after year supporting us, um, it has been a little bit harder since the cyclone and obviously a lot of people have been affected um, in many different ways. So it, it was tough going there for a while and we're not quite out of it yet, but um, the fans, you know, coming along to pre-season game, the excitement is back. Um, for the Hawks to play again and I know a lot of people are looking forward to it Well you've got a challenging role uh, Jared, it's been wonderful uh, catching up with you, wish you all the best in both uh, avenues actually uh, as you look to continue your playing career and start out on the administrative side of it um, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you're not the only one Dylan Boucher of course we know where he's ended up Mika Vakona is involved too uh, with the, the Franklin Bulls so there's a bit of a trend developing there yeah, there is. There is, and it wasn't something I was um, conscious of um, moving in that direction. But like I say, an opportunity presented itself, and um, yeah, we'll just we'll just keep moving forward from there. Good on you, Jared. Uh, nice to catch up with you. All the best to the start of the season, and thanks for your time. No, much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Yeah, cheers, uh, Jared Kenny there, who is uh, not only the general manager for the Bayhawks, of course, a very key component on court as well this season, and dragged him away from training, which was uh, which was cool. I'm pretty sure he'd be happy about that. It's uh, ten sixteen here on SENZ, which means uh, we've got a panel coming up, and this morning it is James Regan and Hamish Bidwell. Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan and Hamish Bidwell with us this morning. Uh, Hamish just had uh, a nice little chat with uh, Jared Kenny, Bayhawks uh, general manager. Franchise uh, dear to both of our hearts. Do you you take uh, you you go along, take the family along? I covered them earlier in my career for three years. They made the final each year, and I would, um, despite the fact that I'm a bit of a grump and try not to associate or sort of socialise with anyone, I occasionally ended up on a out for a beer with the odd hawk, and I found them really good people. Um, 
coach at the time, Sean Dennis, taught me a lot about uh, sport and how teams work. Where at the time we had Graham Barlow, ex-Middlesex and England player coaching CD and Jonathan Gould, a former Scotland and, and Celtic goalkeeper coaching Hawks Bay United. So I got a really good education from those guys and so I have a lot of fond memories of that period. Yes. Well, that is a trio. Absolutely is a trio of um, <laughs> notable, notable, and, and a sort of, um, uh, well, what do you call it, when uh, a quad, when, when the four of you would uh, possibly at some stage get together. That would be a hell of a conversation to eavesdrop on, oh, I would imagine. Um, I'd we're talking about a car there, probably, <laughs> yep. <laughs> right, uh, Hamish, but well, let's uh, stay on the subject of, uh, oh, we'll, we'll go to the subject of New Zealand rugby, by the by. Uh, David Moffat, um, as he has wanted to do, came out and had a decent old whack at New Zealand rugby yesterday. Uh, what did you make of that? I didn't actually uh, hear about it. You'll have to fill me in, I'm sorry. Right, okay, he's basically um, lambasted New Zealand rugby from pillar to post. Of course, um, David Moffat was uh, one of the instigators of Sansa way back in the day, but it feels like, basically feels like uh, they've lost direction. And, um, you know, the recent appointment of uh, Scott Robertson, etc., was um, indicative of that. It's interesting. David approached me um, a couple of months ago. He was looking for someone to write him a book um, where he wanted to abandon doing media and just once and for all tell his side of the story about how he, what the things that he did in the game and the things that have been done since and, and sort of lay bare the failings of the current regime at New Zealand Rugby. Like I just, I, we couldn't find a publisher in the end. Perhaps he needed a better author than me. Um, but the game's battling and I'll give you an example. I have watched one game of Super Rugby this year and I watched it under sufferance. I was at a mate's place. We had a group of blokes there and because they know that I don't like to watch rugby anymore and because they know I associate it with work rather than leisure or pleasure, they bullied me into watching. It was the Hurricanes, the Blues, it was a bore and I just, I've tuned out and I assume a lot of people have and I admire David for speaking up. I think it's worth speaking up, but I think at the same time, a lot of the people have just tuned out, A, from the game, B, from New Zealand Rugby, and C, from people like David who want us to be angry about New Zealand Rugby because I think people are past the point of being interested. Mm, interesting. James, good morning to you. Uh, were you over David Moffat's comments? And if so, uh, what did you make of them? Oh, uh, morning, Sunday morning, Hamish. Um, not totally, but I seen it before haven't you and and what I would say is that doesn't do anyone any good and I and I get that obviously it has to be spoken about but covering old ground here like they've, they've made a decision on Razor and it has been incredibly untidy everyone knows that but Hamish is right people are people are over it we want to see good rugby now we want to see a good super rugby product so focus on that we want to see the All Blacks doing well and everything else is kind of people are just done with it um, and so I, I get where maybe David's coming from, but at the same time, it's, it's time to move on and, and focus on what we can change, and that's improving Super Rugby, which I think has been a lot better this year, and um, and parking everything that's happened with Razor and Fozzie and now getting behind Fozzie and getting behind the All Blacks and, and taking them into the World Cup and, and everything else. That Hamish is absolutely right. People are just over it. Over it to the sense where I'm, I would be a little bit concerned if I was uh, running the financial side of um, some of these franchises. They say there was uh, twelve odd thousand people at Eden Park for the Blues um, uh, against the Force. We're across town, of course, 
Um, the Warriors were attracting uh, very close to 19,000. James, um, I'm not sure there was 12,000 there, but why would they inflate it? <laughs> it's a very good question. And what I would say is obviously Ian Park is a lot bigger than Mount Smart, so the perception is probably quite important there. But we've been talking about this a lot um, this week in, in the News Hub offices about game day experiences. And I'll tell you what, it's something the Warriors do incredibly well. I think the Breakers do it very well as well. But in terms of a, a game day experience, it was obviously the first game at Mount Smart this year, but the Warriors absolutely nailed it, mate. Like, there was so many things for kids to do. There was rides, there was live entertainment at halftime, full-time, pre-game, and it's no wonder that they got almost 19,000. And the, the game itself was entertaining as well, if you're a league, and they're always going to attract around ten to 12,000, I think. But, mate, like, so many people are going to go back to the Warriors because of that positive experience and that almost, like, carnival atmosphere. It was just incredible, and I think a lot of, all of our rugby teams could learn something from that. Well, they are bringing uh, the Warriors to McLean Park, uh, Hamish Bidwell. Would you be tempted? Oh, yes. I've certainly talked to people about that um, and getting tickets, so a bit scarce already. Um, and I think it's May 27. Yeah, they're keen to go. Um, the only caveat would be that it's during State of Origin, so I think Brisbane will be a few players short. But... Um, I grew up in an era, to go back to what James was saying, where the, the sport itself was the event and you didn't need all this other junk around it and I, I ignore all that stuff and it doesn't appeal to me. But if we want people to watch the game, then we have to make players available. Like I don't, no one wants to watch the force. No one wants to watch any of the Australian teams. They want to watch the best of New Zealand against each other. And I say it all the time, I would go for a provincial model. I would have All Blacks playing every game, not rested, not on sabbatical, actually playing every game and playing for their province and get some tribalism, as we see in the NRL. Like, the NRL batters to people because people are rusted on to their team. They have come from generations of fans. There's a build-up of, of, of love for that club that they support. And we have that in provincial rugby, but we did away with it. And I just think the product we have now with franchises, with, with Australia, it's a waste of time. Well, on that subject, uh, Highlanders captain uh, Billy Harmon questions the All Blacks resting policy, Hamish. Um, but ironically, the Crusaders have uh, found an exemption for Scott Barrett this week. And that must have been an interesting conversation uh, because Scott Robertson would have had to go to New Zealand Rugby, who I guess, out of respect, not that they've got a lot for him, um, they would have had to go to Ian Foster and say, are you prepared uh, for this to happen? There's a bit of an irony there that Ian Foster would give uh, Scott Robertson a break. I'm just glad that Scott Barrett wants to play. Uh, I think it, one of the things that the Crusaders do well that I didn't understand until I worked down there and covered those teams was that they really feel that they play for their people. Um, they represent their people and they want their people to be proud of them and that's something that I'm optimistic about when Scott Robertson becomes the All Blacks that the All Blacks will become a team that people are proud of and want to watch and feel a connection to I don't feel that's there at the moment in terms of uh, Barrett playing I just or Harmon wanting to play I think it's time for the inmates to take over the asylum I think it's time for players to say actually we want to play we're paid to play the idea of people not playing turns my stomach and it turns me off the game and so I absolutely applaud uh, Harmon's sentiments, and I absolutely congratulate Barrett for finding a way to get to play on the weekend. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, James Regan, uh, they need him because they're uh, desperate for locks, of course, uh, the Crusaders, but 
It is. Uh, does it open up um, uh, the floodgates? I mean, it, it, I, th- I see now there would be no reason for uh, any uh, super rugby coach who's desperate for one guy to play this weekend to just say, yeah, fine, I, I need him. I've I got to have him. Please release him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I, can't, I tend to agree with Hamish. It should be up to the players. And, and to a certain extent, players are too tough for their own good. They always want to play, obviously, which is fantastic to see. And sometimes, particularly in a World Cup year, you can understand the logic of getting them to take a break. But it, it, it should probably just be a case-by-case basis. If, for example, the Crusaders are down on numbers, then Scott Barrett needs to play. And it, and it comes back to you want to make Super Rugby as strong as possible because that does help the All Blacks be as strong as possible, but it also attracts people to watch the game. So it shouldn't be a hard and fast kind of rule. I completely understand the logic behind it and completely understand the thinking behind it, but maybe it's time to, to have a bit of a rethink and, and just do a case-by-case basis because every player is different as well. Hamish Bidwell, James Regan with us this morning. Sorry, uh, Hamish? Was that oh, Hamish wanting to chip in? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yep. you, you've worked for the host broadcaster. They pay a lot of money. We're talking about 12,000 people at Eden Park. Like, surely the people who are paying for the privilege of broadcasting the game want the best players playing. Like, from their point of view, they have to be banging uh, the biggest drum they can find to get the best players on the park because their ratings and their revenue cannot be uh, enhanced by guys sitting out. Desperately so. Um, you know, we were never, uh, at, at the time I worked for Sky, it was something we weren't able to basically say on air, but behind uh, behind the scenes, you're dead right, Hamish. Uh, there was uh, quite a lot of angst at times over the fact that here they were spending um, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand uh, $70,000 every time on an, uh, an OB for a game of rugby. And um, they'd take a shot of half a dozen All Blacks sitting in the grandstand. Don't worry. Um, yes, the host broadcast uh, uh, noticed that um, for sure. Uh, it's 10.32 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll take a quick news break with Araha, uh, and then we'll come and uh, talk about another couple of issues with Hamish Bidwell and James Regan this morning. And uh, James, news just coming through on the wire that uh, it looks like uh, Today FM uh, going to fold. Um, as early as uh, this afternoon, which uh, will have an impact too because they are the owner at this stage of the domestic cricket rights in New Zealand. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And there's a Black Hats game on Friday that would you assume that needs uh, broadcasting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, if that still goes ahead. But, um, yeah, just kind of having a quick read around this morning, it's, it's incredibly sad and, and it's, brutal the way these things happen and, and you feel for everyone at Today FM and, and at MediaWorks who um, are probably quite anxious at the moment so um, yeah thought, thoughts are with them at the moment and it's just it's just awful the way it's kind of unfolding this morning it's very untidy from MediaWorks I think someone's got a bit of explaining to do if, if what we think is going to happen is going to happen and the way it's playing out but yeah it's, it's not great Smitty it's really it's really um really worrying for those guys yeah and i bring it up not because there's any one upmanship involved it's basically because i'm concerned about the broadcast of 
of cricket in this country, which they uh, currently have uh, a, a deal to do. So uh, anyway, uh, James, let's uh, focus on the Warriors, which uh, will, of course, uh, go ahead with the broadcaster. And that is uh, us, of course, doing the uh, here on SENZ. Um, Sharks, uh, maybe without Tohu Harris, what chance? Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be 50-50, doesn't it? And you would have to think this early in the season with the kind of injury that it is, I'm pretty sure it was a knee injury in the end, um, that they maybe wouldn't risk Tohu if it's, um, if he is 50-50, which would be the, the smart thing to do. He's, he's been incredible this year. Like He's just got through an absolute mountain of work. You can see he's kind of got this new lease on license they're back in New Zealand and he's and he's been able to focus purely on just playing good rugby league which he has he's been one of the standout performers of the competition so far and he's such an asset to the Warriors so hopefully he's all good hopefully they they obviously don't risk him if um if it is touch and go but you can guarantee Torhu will want to play no matter what he, he was pretty keen to come back on for a bit there in the second half despite that injury um, against the Bulldogs, and, and he's probably one of those who's too tough for his own good as well. He's just an absolute an absolute asset to this Warriors team. Um, they'll they'll be okay without him, I think, and, and they'll they'll back themselves to be okay without him for a week or two if they need to. Um, but he is, yeah, he he would still be a huge loss against the Sharks. Hamish hey, Bidwell, interesting uh, earlier in the week, a great result for the Central Stags, of course, uh, winning. Uh, the Ford Trophy in front of uh, next to nobody. Uh, it was an interesting scheduling that game of that game. Wasn't it interesting scheduling? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I work for Hawke's Bay Cricket Association and the first I saw of it was when Hawke's Bay's uh, Facebook page said, hey, the game's on on Tuesday, come along. Um, not really the showcase final you would dream of or plan intentionally, Um Great for Josh Clarkson. Good match from him, the Central Hawks Bay star. Um, but yeah, no, I, it might as well not have even happened. I was following it here at work. I wasn't, you know, inclined to go and watch it myself, but certainly following it. And I don't know how many people knew it was on because, yeah, we're in Hawks Bay. Did you know? I was certainly late to the party. I didn't know until um, I banged into, believe it or not, on the putting green at Bridge Par. I banged into said Josh Clarkson, who told me uh, I had no other. <laughs> I said, I, it's absolutely true. And the whole Central Districts team uh, actually were playing um, a golf a day for what they play for a green jacket as a part of their team building exercise and things like that. So they were there uh, in force. And I had no idea that they had a game coming up. I was thinking that they may have had a Plunkett Shield game. Or something. I mean, Hamish, to be fair, uh, you just you have to go digging. You have to go really digging deep to find out what's happening in domestic cricket. Well, I feel a fool. I was chatting to Will Clark down at Ongonga on Saturday, who was listed in CDs 11 but didn't actually play. Um, yeah, no, I, I had no idea he was about to line up in a, in a, in a final with, you know, guys like Jack Boyle who, who play in our local comp. So, no, I mean, I had no, no idea. And um, if that's how CD cricket are rolling, if that's how they want to promote their game and their team in a showpiece final, then I think they've probably failed there. Yeah, I think they. I think uh, everyone failed, and to schedule it up against a one-day international, which started uh, live on television and only present it with the possibility of YouTube coverage, uh, I thought was very, very disappointing. Hopefully, just hopefully, just a one-off. Uh, right, uh, James Regan, uh, the NRL uh, versus Rugby Australia. Nice little battle going on over personnel here, uh, particularly uh, Joseph Su'ali'i, 
who's uh, switched in a very high-profile switch uh, of codes, uh, but not for a, a year uh, at least. So uh, what have you made of the, the falling out here, the process, um, the, the likes of Gus Gould, Hamish McLennan, really going at it? Yeah, it's been fascinating, hasn't it? And I think um, Rugby Australia should be stoked because Australians will probably realise that the Wallabies might be relevant again soon. I mean... They've had to go digging around the NRL to do that, which is great. I think Brandon Smith has done an amazing job with his responses about it. He has just been uh, hilarious, as, as you would expect from him. And, and people have maybe taken it a bit too far, and maybe out of context to bear what he said about rugby Australia. He was just a Kiwi having a go at the Wallabies. It was nothing more than that. And There's obviously a lot of love there for Joseph Suoli'i, who's an amazing athlete and, and still only 19. Like We kind of forget about that with... Um, the weapon that he is, he's, he's still he's still incredibly young. So I think Rugby Australia should be very happy with how this has played out because the, Wallaby, uh, the Wallabies haven't had so much media attention in a long, long time. But it's so far down the radar for people over there. He's got NRL and AFL and then pretty much daylight um, between them and Rugby. So they should be stoked. It's a clear indication of what they're wanting to do ahead of them hosting the World Cup. And you can completely understand that. Um, they'll no doubt go after more um, league players. More league players will go. And if they get a couple of high-profile ones, then the job is, is kind of done. And, and that's that's what they want. So fair play to them. Fair play to Joseph Stuali'i. I think, um, you know, if you get offered that kind of money to go back to rugby at this stage of your career, you'd be crazy not to take it. So fair play to him. And fair play to Brandon Smith as well. And, and Gus Gould, I think, maybe a bit of an overreaction from him, but it's all part of the media circus over there, and it's great to watch from from a distance over here. Yeah, Hamish, it's a very interesting one, actually. That's the one thing you've got to say about Eddie Jones, and this, of course, is his signing first up. Uh, He can light a fire, can't he? Yeah, so for me, there's a couple of things. There's McLennan, who realises Australia's position in the sporting landscape in Australia and leads and gets out and speaks and... You may not agree with him, but he gives his code profile. And I know that we're in a different media landscape and sporting landscape here, but I would encourage New Zealand Rugby to try and follow McLennan's lead and actually be out there demonstrably leading the game. The other part of it is, you know, they already have Suliasi Vunivalu and Marika Korobedi on their books, um, wings from the Melbourne Storm. Korobedi most weeks is the Wallabies' best player. Like, I go back to what Brandon Smith said. What, what difference does a wing make? You know, they've, they've already got two high-profile, high-paid rugby league wings. Willie Bailey doesn't really play. You know, Corin Betty's a, 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 a nailed-on starter. It hasn't made any difference to A, the team's profile, or B, their fortunes. It costs Dave Rennie his job, a good man and a good coach. So they can sign to Ali'i all they like, but I don't see it improving their rugby performances in any fashion. Yep, very interesting indeed. Uh, as uh, you guys always are, and I thank you for your, um, your uh, presence on the panel this morning, Hamish Bidwell, James Regan. Thanks, uh, fellas. Have a uh, terrific day, whatever uh, you're doing. Your sad news uh, about uh, Today FM, uh, of course, uh, fellow broadcasters. It's uh, pretty tough out there, uh, but uh, having said that, you know, um, people are involved, and that is um, the saddest thing. Might get a comment on that from Logan Swinkles uh, a little bit later in the morning as well. Uh, it is 10.43 here on SENZ. On SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. 
visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, we talked earlier in the hour to Jared Kenny, who we dragged away from uh, training for the Bay Hawks. He had to step off court, and uh, unbelievably, um, we've uh, dragged Louis Herman Watt away from the bench press machine. We're hearing. Uh, what are you pressing these days, Louis? No, Apart from your shirt. No, 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 no bench press involves Smithy. It's just uh, mid, mid set of some burpees, those torturous things. Do you remember those from back in the day? I do remember the burpees. They're right up there with the shuttle runs. Um, so where are you training? I mean, people want to know these things. I'm in my living room with a mate on, with a mate on the Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I've got a vision of you doing the Jane Fonda workout here all of a sudden. My goodness me, and it's not a and it's not a pretty one. I'd rather talk about I'd rather talk about racing, and I'm I'm I was going to say salivating. I won't now. I'm very interested in racing on very interested in racing on Saturday. Shall I put it that way? Um, in fact, so excited because the courtesy Ford Manor Two Sides Produce Stakes with the Trobriand. I saw its gallop yesterday. Looked impressive, um, hitting the betting there. But then, of course, we head across to Australia: the Tommy Smith, the Doncaster, and the Derby. Yeah, you're right. Strawberry and um, trialled up huge, didn't he? Looks like he's furnishing into a beautiful little racehorse. So, deserves favouritism, but I know they're really bullish around Tulsi down there in Otaki. Um, Otaki and across the ditch, yeah, the Donny. Gee, this is a ripper. I reckon if they get a lot of rain, Mustang Valley is a chance on that lightweight. Mm. Yep, I do. I, I totally agree with you. I would love, absolutely love any moisture, and that will and, and uh, I, I, it will actually increase its chances. I, I saw one a really cool interview with uh, with Graham Rogerson on the on the back end of the barrier draw uh, for Sharp and Smart, which is in the car park, as they say. He said, um, "Oh well," he said, "I don't ride the horse. That's <laughs> <laughs> up to Huey." So good luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, Huey's the man for the job. And- Look, the, the thing is, I reckon, I don't know this for a fact, but I reckon, just judging by their patterns, the TAB will boost Sharp and Smart because they know that he's going to want to get a lot of attention. I reckon they'll take him on on Saturday from Barry 17, and I'm going to have a big bet. I, I think he's good enough. I honestly think he would have, if he drew in somewhere, he'd be, I think, two to, I think if he, if he got a clean run, I think on what was seen doing his older horses, he's two lengths better than this field, so... If Hugh can pull off a, you know, an eight out of a ten, nine out of ten ride, it'll be good enough. I'm, I'm with Sharp and Smart still, Louis. Okay, Louis, uh, we'll let you get back to it um, because whew, it's uh, it's invigorating stuff. I've got to say, uh, we'll, we'll go to the TAV just before eleven o'clock. Oh my God, the thoughts. Are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Radio, let's uh, head across to uh, Paul Mawadi at the TAB and Paul, I like uh, Thursdays because uh, Thursday night rugby league kicks in and that's the start of, for me, the weekend's betting. Yeah, exactly right, Smitty. And the punters are getting stuck in. Thursday night is almost always our most popular uh, game of the round. And we're taking a lot of action on tonight's game. The Roosters 
who are $1.52 favourites to beat the Eels. They have taken most of the action in that head-to-head market, although over the last couple of hours this morning we have seen a twinkling of money for the Parramatta Eels to pick up their second victory of the season. They're 245 in that head-to-head book. Uh, and as I say, they just start to see a wee bit of support coming the way of punters. Of course, sticking over that side of the ditch, we've got the Australian Grand Prix uh, this weekend. And we've got a bonus back promotion uh, on that uh, race, just place, a pre-race, race win a bet. Uh, on the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. And if your driver finishes second, third, fourth, fifth or sixth, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a, a bonus bet. The boys have also put together a number of power plays uh, and a number of boosted odds markets on that Australian Grand Prix. So if you like your motorsport, we sh- you should be able to find something that sort of takes your interest uh, in terms of uh, finding a bet. And it's Group 1 day this Saturday on both sides of the Tasman. Of course, we've got the Manawatu-sized produce steaks, uh, Awapuni, the favourite there, Trobriand, at $2.10, has been the best-backed in that uh, final field win market. There's also been a little twinkling of support for number 11, No Rain Ever, trained by Bill Thurlow. He's brought Samantha Collard over uh, from Brisbane to uh, uh, ride. Uh, still a maiden, but hasn't been that far away. Currently $15 and three eighty for a top three. And, of course, the big Australian derby uh, at uh, Randwick. Uh, and, oh, the Kiwis are to the fore here. The favourite, sharp and smart with the Rogersons. three fifty at the moment. But there has been money for the Stephen Mars-trained Andalus. $14 uh, out to 15 now. But that has attracted a wee bit of support uh, Going to be written by Zach Purden. Got the eighth draw, so looking very, very good. Good on you, Paul. Uh, thank you very much. You have a fine old day. Uh, thanks for those updates. Yep, uh, the weekend of racing at Randwick, the Tommy Smith, the Doncaster, the Derby. Three races in a row. Bang, bang, bang. Historic races. It'll be fantastic. A lot of New Zealand interest uh, on that side. Okay, so uh, 11 o'clock coming up here on SENZ. David Moffat. Let's uh, hear from David Moffat, who was with staff yesterday. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.03 here on SENZ. Text in from Brendan saying, Is the SENZ Formula One expert, Aroha, going to give us a Melbourne Grand Prix lowdown? I think we might just, you might have given us an idea for tomorrow, certainly for Monday, a review of the Grand Prix, but certainly I, I think we might uh, see if uh, Araho's got a spare uh, few minutes so we can preview uh, the Grand Prix uh, tomorrow, Brendan. Uh, nice idea. I'm surprised that uh, the budget doesn't stretch for uh, Araho being at Albert Park over the weekend. Um, that is a big surprise. Right, okay, uh, let's get into um, the first topic of this hour, which uh, is rugby. Um, and it's uh, around about uh, David uh, Moffat, really. Um, he's the former New Zealand CEO uh, of uh, rugby, of course. He's also got a really proud and long history in uh, administration of sport. He was head of Sport England, actually, until he called them out um, and um, lost that battle. But uh, with New Zealand rugby, he's been... Uh, one of the chief arch- architects of Sanzar when it uh, first came about. He was uh, part of the group that put that together. Now, yesterday, 
David Moffat was on with Mark Stafford. And uh, when David Moffat goes to air, usually sparks fly and usually there's a reaction. So we're going to listen to a couple of excerpts with him with Staffy yesterday. S-E-N-Z. So what do we have to turn around, David? Like um, attendances are down at Super Rugby. There were four yeah. games in New Zealand last weekend and more people went to the Dolphins-Broncos game in Brisbane than all four Super Rugby games in New Zealand here and it is our number one sport. Uh, NPC numbers are dwindling as well. Viewership numbers are dwindling. We're losing players overseas. You've already highlighted the coaches overseas. Uh, so much intellectual property over there. Do we have to... Um, central or, or, or just narrow the field? Do we need less teams? <laughs> do we need to do something really radical? Well, I don't think any of the rugby unions around the world are into radical. You know, that's a problem. Mm. Um, you know, you t- I mean, my understanding is that basketball is now a bigger participation sport than rugby in New Zealand. It is. And when I tell people that from overseas, they flabbergasted that that could have happened, but it has happened. And for a whole lot of reasons, the game at the moment, the way it's played in most countries, not New Zealand, but most countries, is atrocious to watch. I wouldn't like to play it, and I certainly wouldn't like to referee it as a former referee. <laughs> and what they, what, and what, and what the rugby has forgotten is, especially at the, at the um, professional level, what business are they in? They're not in rugby. They're in the entertainment business. Mm. And the entertainment has gone out of rugby. So people are saying, I'm not going to go and watch that again. Bash, kick, bash, kick, bash, kick. It's like unlimited rugby league, you know, unlimited tackle rugby league, whereas it well, used to be in the 60s. So, you know, people want to be entertained. They've got a very short, you know, attention span. And that is one of the things that I think uh, where New Zealand is missing out. We never hear from the chief executive that he never comes out and tells us, you know, what the plans are, what they're doing, what his vision is for the future. Nobody knows. And people are being turned off by that. Uh, And so, you know, there's some fundamental issues that have got to be addressed. They're not easy to address, by the way, because times they um, have been a changing for a long time. But if you don't understand that you're in the entertainment industry and you'd better start entertaining people, then you'll lose them. Yeah, it's a trick. You, you touched on Mark Robinson, CEO of New Zealand Rugby. In your, if you had the CEO hat on now, what, or, or even back then, what was your approach to communication with media, oh. with public, etc.? Well, if you rang me up for an interview, I'd do it straight away because mm. I, I loved it, you know. Um, and I guess that's why radio stations like yourselves and others, um, you know, get me on because what they'll know, I'll have something to say. It might or might not be interesting, but I'll at least have something to say. I'm available to have something to say, and I'm passionate about New Zealand rugby, and and I will, you know, and I will speak truthfully, and and that's really what you guys want. In the media, you, you, you don't want all these, you know, I've got three must-says and I'm never going to get off those and, and those must-says are going to be where I'm really nothing. You know, you're in the entertainment business. Mm. Rugby's in the entertainment business, but they don't seem, and this Robinson guy doesn't seem to understand that. He's got to get out there and communicate with the fans otherwise. They'll go, oh, you know, what the hell. I mean, the number of people I speak to now who say, well, they just can't be bothered. You know, and that, and that is that is a very quick, massive change. When you take the re, the 2019 Rugby World Cup result, nobody cared. 
you know, really nobody cared. Oh, yeah, so, you know, we lost. Well, so what? Whereas, you know, just a few years before that, you know, all hell would break loose. How dare we lose, et cetera, et cetera. But that's gone. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned that actually because if I get the I can get the CEO of the Warriors in ten minutes I can get CEO of New Zealand basketball biggest participation sport I can get him in five minutes but Mark Robinson two weeks ago said he'd come on with me two weeks after Scott Robertson or after the next All Black coach was named told me a couple of things that might be happening in June but not ready to announce it yet and I said why don't you tell people what you're thinking what what are you working towards this global rugby calendar that apparently there's a meeting in June and they feel like it might get across the line even though it's been talked about for a hundred years why don't you take us on that oh it's too early to talk about it but I feel like there's a lack of involvement from the top with media um, because the the media is the only way that people that were in your position are in Mark Robinson's position can talk to the public absolutely and and how many sports get an opportunity to actually get on to your show and other shows um, free of charge, mm. right? And 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 tell everybody about their sport. Mm. I mean, there would be there would be sports out there who who would pay to be able to do that. Yet with rugby, you know, I mean, rugby league, for example, in Sydney, t- the back ten pages of the of the Daily Telegraph are rugby league, um, and uh, you know that's an incredible amount of free advertising that you get. Mm. And you guys, you you know, if you go on on your show, that's free advertising. So why wouldn't you go on? Honestly, I get so frustrated. Uh, you know, if you don't like doing media or you can't because you're incompetent or whatever it is, get somebody on there who can. Mm. Get somebody on there who can give you a story, which you then actually let all of the fans know. And uh, But they won't do it. You know, they seem to think that it's, uh, oh, we've got to keep everything secret and, you know, why should we tell the fans what's going on? Well, the fans pay their wages. Whichever way you look at it, the fans are the most important thing that you've got because they either they either um, subscribe to Sky or to your show or to other shows or to, they buy newspapers or all that sort of stuff. The fans are keeping this sport alive and yet they treat the fans in New Zealand with disdain. Right, um, it's David Moffat with uh, Mark Stafford yesterday. Where he's got another segment that we'll play a little bit later too, I think, uh, which is a good one too on losing coaches overseas. But uh, first of all, reaction to that, it's nothing new. Uh, Logan, from our point of view, it is nothing new. Staffy pointed out the fact there where Mark Robinson is pretty damn hard to get hold of and uh, if you manage to get hold of him, pretty hard thing to budge things out of. Um, <laughs> it's almost as if he's been trained in that regard. I do not know whether he has. I would have thought part of his brief was the portrayal of the game. Very, very important part of the ga- uh, of his brief was the portrayal and the image uh, of the game with a view to how it looks to the fans. Um, but he does keep them guessing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's a weird one with Mark Robinson, and especially, I don't know, with our geographical location of SCNZ, literally up the hallway from New Zealand Rugby, we always see Mark Robinson in the cafe that is right next to us, right next to the studio. 
uh, but quite often, you know, we will give them the invite, like, look, mate, we're just up the hall, just come in, we'll make you feel welcome, you can have your say, you can enlighten us on what is happening, and just soft, and um, unfortunately, it's it's crickets, I don't know why, if he, if he feels like there's nothing to say, but there's a lot of people that want to hear from him, so clearly there is things to be said, there are, there are always questions to be answered, and then... Um, Staff kind of brings up that point of, well, I could get the CEO of, you know, the Warriors, of New Zealand basketball on, just like that. And he is right. Guys, Cameron George, always happy to talk. Dylan Boucher, always happy to talk. And, uh, you know, they get it. They get that they're they're in the entertainment business. We're in the entertainment business. We all kind of... The, to me, I feel like the idea is that we all work in harmony so that the fans know what's going on. And then another one that gets it is New Zealand cricket, Smithy. I'll, I'll give today as an example, having Mealy Kerr on. She got back from India at, I believe it was 1am on Tuesday. I was like, look, I know she's going to be feeling pretty jet lagged, so let, you know, we'll give her at least a day. Uh, and then she was happy to come on today. And she was fantastic. And you get that a lot with a lot of the uh, people from New Zealand cricket. The Black Caps and the White Ferns are always quite happy to to help out wherever possible. Um, funnily enough, I got a call. This is where we're at, Smithy. I got a call yesterday from the Warriors asking if we wanted someone on. And I was mm. like, yes, you know we love you. You know we'll do it. Uh, but the fact that they're proactive, I think that really, really says a lot. Well, I, I think it's true. I, I, I do, and, and there is no face of rugby um, in this country as such. There's, there's no one really. Um, the All Blacks have their faces from a playing perspective, but there's no real face of New Zealand rugby. When Steve Chu was there, like him or hate him, there was a face, mm. and Steve Chu was readily available. He was confrontational. He would defend rugby and his decisions to the hilt, but he would always come on. Um, he was uh, available to you. You knew who the CEO of New Zealand Rugby was, um, and he was uh, he was media savvy as such. And media is a big part of it, as you say. They pay, and David Moffat said, pay the bills, pay the wages. And at the end of the day, they pay these massive uh, amounts of money, not just to cover uh, the game, the right to cover the game, but the right to the information around the game, the right to to spread the word around the game. It's not just for me. It's not just the fact that you, um, you know, you, you show the pictures, mm. but you, you you should have access if you pay the if you pay the freight. And I, I will say, I think people do know who the CEO of uh, New Zealand Rugby is, but for not those reasons that you just mentioned, Smithy. Uh, I think the whole you know raise, the Razor Fozzy uh, debacle definitely helped in that regard. Uh, I, I deal a lot with Super Rugby media managers in, the, in this role, as you can imagine, and I will say that a lot of them, and this goes for the um, particularly the Black Ferns as well, they do try hard to, you know, sort of create that access. Uh, so I, I don't really put it on them, but sometimes they get shut down. Um, you know, I've got a friend uh, that I, I used to work with who now looks after one of the Super Rugby teams, and they'll try but then they get pushback, and it's just like, why? I just, I, I don't get it. And you can hear that kind of frustration there from David Moffat, that he doesn't understand it either, or, and as to why rugby is like that in this country. It is bizarre. They're losing the numbers, they're losing interest, and, man, they really need to 
sort it out, figure it out. Otherwise, it's going to keep going on the decline, Smithy. And it's a shot in the arm. The, the other subject I'm really uh, keen to listen to is on losing coaches overseas, and this is what he had to say there. Should New Zealand rugby fans be concerned? We've had a few texts and calls into the show saying we've got depth. If players want to go, they can go and we'll, we'll fill it. Can that keep going? Is there a concern? Is this good for New Zealand rugby, what's happening at the moment? No, no it's not good because it affects every layer, every tier of New Zealand rugby, um, you know, from clubs all the way up. You know, and we have a look now, for example, the All Blacks never play NPC. And that and that's degraded the NPC. They never play. Well, they play obviously in Super Rugby, but a lot of them, um, you know, they they start late in Super Rugby. And if those play, now that's my biggest concern is that the more the players go, it's not so much the All Blacks, um, but it's those players that are playing Super Rugby. And the more of those players that go, the, uh, the the more it's going to affect Super Rugby. And I don't think we have a conveyor belt any longer to the extent that we used to in the past. Uh, because um, of a variety of reasons. But, you know, it, it is a concern. When we started Super Rugby back in 1995, 96, and I was the, the very beginning of all of that, we actually used to have conversations about how could we have not affect club rugby mm. as much with Super Rugby. Um, and, of course, that changed. They went to 18 teams. They went to, you know, playing over an extended period of time. So club rugby completely got... Um, washed away by Super Rugby. And that's pretty much happened with the NPC. Now, the NPC, for example, in Australia, the NPC, they're very envious of it because what it does is it brings the players up through another level. And if if all these players are going to be going, that is the area. And there's one other thing, too, that I'd like to mention, and that is the drain of coaches. The number of coaches coaching overseas um, who could actually be in the all-black all coaching frame, you know, in future years, uh, is is massive, and and you can't lose all those good coaches. I mean, the last, you know, Ray's has just been appointed, and I've and I've always thought that was a good idea to appoint him, but outside of that, you only had um, Jamie Joseph was the only other applicant. Mm. All the others are overseas, or they didn't want to coach for whatever reason. The All Blacks. So, you know, the question is, um, you know, if Razor and Jamie Joseph weren't in the front, where are the other coaches coming through in New Zealand? They're all overseas, a lot of these good young coaches. And and they're going over there because they don't really see, you know, they can get a lot more money over there. Just the same as the players. I'm sure uh, that, you know, players are going to Japan uh, for the money, and it's a great experience, but but it, the money that they're offering will be the major attraction. How do we keep the coaches in New Zealand, given that we've got an all-black coach and his assistants, and we've got five super teams, um, the, the, and all of the NPC teams, and um, there's, there's coaches all around the world, as you say, New Zealanders, that would be amazing back at NPC level. Is it is it finances? We just haven't got the money to, to afford to keep them here? Yep, absolutely. That's what professional sport is all about. It's about money. It's really not about anything else, you know. And when players leave, and you've just seen Suali um, go from, you know, only having been in the NRL for two years, signing with Rugby Australia for $4.8 million. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's money. It's just money. It's got nothing to do with 
um, you know, the love of the game, no matter what they might say. And you don't blame them because it's a professional sport. Nobody knows how long their career is likely to be. So, you know, they've got to go for the money. And the money is big in Europe and it's big in Japan. Uh, and, um, you know, if it, if it comes to an all-out fight, then we're not going to do very well. The, the, the great thing still about New Zealand is the black jersey. You know, so many kids want to be able to pull that on. And, you know, and when they get it, you know, they most likely sleep in it the very first night they get awarded their, their black jersey. I don't know how long um, that is, that, that's, that's able to last in this new world of consumerism. Well, it's an interesting question, actually, that uh, last one. The kids want to wear the black jersey. What if you went into a, a classroom now where uh, basketball at, at schools are so powerful, Logan? Mm. Um, if you asked, the, stood up in front of the class, tell me, uh, lads, would you rather wear the black jersey or the Lakers vest? <laughs> As in the LA Lakers? Yeah. That's I mean, a, is, your, is your dream to be an All Black or is your dream to get to the NBA? Yeah, that's a uh, very good point. When I first heard uh, that grab from Moffat, I had a very similar thought. Uh, maybe players that are playing now, they still have that allure for the black jersey, but I do question whether that is waning when you do have the likes of basketball now being you know the most participated sport in New Zealand and continues to grow. Uh, there was one thing that I was kind of wondering. When you sort of think about the next generation, right, and you have the All Blacks, you have the Black Ferns, we have this big push for women's rugby. But when I go to, say, Cotton On Kids and I, you know, I want to get some clothes for my daughter, there's All Black stuff. Where's the Black Fern stuff? I've never understood that. Why? Is, I just don't get why that's not being marketed at all. If we have an allure for a black jersey, it's in men's rugby. I don't know why they not also try and push that further in women's rugby as well. Because to me, I think to a lot of people, like the black jersey was once feared. And I don't know, I just, it, it saddens me that it's not really like that anymore. No, it's absolutely true. There's no denying that. Uh, they don't, we're not feared. Um, respected, yes, respected. But not feared. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Hey, uh, you've got to put your other hat on and we've got to get to the sports desk there. But uh, that was interesting. Um, and uh, really was from uh, David Moffat. Uh, uh, you know, not uh, banging the desk, but um, just outlining a few of uh, his perspective thoughts. A very good point, though, actually. The most sought-after job in New Zealand rugby, coaching-wise, all-black job. Only two applicants. Only two applicants. 11.23. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, indeed we are. Here's Logan Swinkles with the latest. A uh, bit of a theme to Sports Desk today, Smithy. Bit of girl power, and I want to start with A-League women, where the Sydney FC won 4-2 against Perth Glory last night. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because they had a 15-year-old score a goal. Let me introduce you to Indiana Dos Santos. Courtney Vine. 
tracking a crowd wherever she goes. And Folletta tried to commit a foul. Vine just shrugged her off. Still Courtney Vine taking on Kim Carroll. It sits up for the tap in. Dos Santos! What a moment for the 15-year-old! Indiana Dos Santos scores for the first time in the Liberty A-League. To the nation and the football world, here's your latest. Here's Indiana Dos Santos. How cool is that? At 15 years old, 170 days, Dos Santos becomes the fifth youngest goal scorer in Liberty A-League history and the youngest in Sydney FC's history, Smithy. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, takes me back to our first guest this morning. Uh, Melly Kerr, as a 15-year-old, she was doing remarkable things in women's cricket. So, yeah, great story. Uh, Dos Santos, mark that one down for the future, uh, with um, not just in the Women's A-League, but uh, perhaps uh, the Australian women's football team. Yes, uh, she's already been captaining the under-15s, a young Matilda, so definitely a star on the rise there, Smithy. Heading over to the pool now uh, in on the sports desk where Summer McIntosh, McIntosh sorry, has set a world record in the 403 at the Canadian Swim Trials. The 16-year-old from Canada uh, was competing in the trials at the Pan Am Sports Centre in Toronto where she finished with 3, mi- uh, three minutes 56.08 seconds to break the mark of 3 minutes 56.40 set last year by Australia's Ariane Titmus. And uh, the audio quality isn't great, but it's an awesome, awesome clip. I'm just going to play it. Summer McIntosh coming to the finish. Five metres to go. This is all Summer McIntosh in lane four. It is. World record. Absolutely incredible that it probably <laughs> might have blown out some speakers. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, it was the first time, uh, uh, was the first long course world record by a Canadian swimmer since Kylie Maas did so in the 100 backstroke back in 2017. This really sets up something awesome for the Paris Olympics next year, Smithy, with her emergence as she's expected to match up in the 400 against both Titmus, the reigning Olympic champion, and American star Katie Ledecky, another former world record holder. Uh, who is also the 2016 Olympic gold medalist and defending world champion. So those three in that event, that's going to be a special one to watch. Oh, it will be. Absolutely. That uh, probably a blue ribbon event, that, uh, when you look at the quality of that, uh, Logan. So ah, what an amazing record uh, to break. And they just continually, continually keep these um, marks um, under pressure. Mm. I've always wondered why uh, it is such young, swimming is such a young sport, is it? Older people just give it up. I mean, physically, uh, these days, men and women's bodies, are, uh, they work so hard on them that they stay fitter for longer and in shape for longer with their experience and all that kind of thing. You just wonder why um, older people don't break world records as such. It's always the young ones coming through. Yeah. Um, Gymnastics is kind of the same there. there too. It is, actually. It's very interesting. Right, uh, we, do we have to go on one more thing before we go? I've, I've got one more keeping on the theme of uh, girl power, and this uh, goes yeah. back to our first guest of the morning, Mealy Kerr. Got a really nice text here uh, from a avid listener, also a friend of the show, uh, Ada McLaughlin. Last December, he took his 8- and 10-year-old daughters to White Ferns training at Nelson Park in Napier. It was the day before their ODI against Bangladesh. The whole squad, coaches and management were fantastic and gave the girls so much time and all the photos they wanted. Jess Kerr even took them off for a walk around the nets. Towards the end, Mealy Kerr finished her session and came over and said hello. 
We asked for a photo. She posed for one. Then she said, hold on a minute, walked over to her kit bag and came back with two white ferns caps and gave them to the girls. They asked for another photo with the caps on, which she happily posed for. And after they said thanks and she went on her way. Afterwards, Aiden took a closer look at the caps, but they weren't just any caps, Smithy. They both had the number 188 stitched in. That's Mealy's white ferns number. Wow, that is quite incredible. Uh, what a special person she is. Great story, Aiden. I uh, appreciate you uh, letting Logan know about that. Uh, no, she is absolutely special. Love that chat this morning. 11.33 here on SENZ. Uh, pretty late for the news. Probably get a wrap over the knuckles about that. But here's the thing. Uh, we're never going to cancel. We're never going to cancel Stump Smithy. And that's what we're going to do now. 0800 150811. Uh, light up the lines. Uh, we're only 50 bucks uh, up for grabs this morning. When I say only, I uh, wouldn't mind 50 in my account at the moment. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're playing for. It is uh, coming up to news time with Araha. We'll hear from you next. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.46, uh, read out uh, a couple of texts because uh, you've been good enough to send them in. Um, and uh, Smithy, I would have thought Dave Rennie might have had a go at the All Blacks job to uh, sow the seed for the future. If things for any reason don't turn out for Razor, uh, etc. Dave could be in the reckoning, has been very quiet. Have you heard what he's up to now? Haven't. Haven't actually. I would imagine he'll get a consultancy role around someone going into the World Cup. That would be what I'm uh, picking, but I officially haven't heard... Uh, I've seen Dave Rennie being appointed to a new position. Um, maybe there is a restraint of trade in there somewhere with his, um, with his deal with uh, Australian rugby, whereby he's not allowed to for some period of time. I don't know. Uh, but uh, certainly Dave Rennie has gone uh, a little bit quiet, and uh, you wouldn't blame him for that. How many applications would there be now for the captain of the Titanic <laughs> if it was advertised now? Uh, not much different to the All Blacks. It's uh, quite a cool one. Thank you very much for that, Neville. I uh, don't mind that at all. Um, Lachlan has come in and said, uh, here's a cricket one for you. In order to make domestic ODI cricket a great again, what are your thoughts on a super rugby-style com- domestic ODI completion with the Australian teams? Being a Christchurch local, how good would it be to see Canterbury versus New South Wales at Hagley? I, I would like that idea. Uh, I don't know if Australia would be bothered, to be perfectly honest. I, I'd quite like that concept, I really would. And I think it uh, would be at some stages, I think they dominate it. I, I really do. I think they dominate it to the extent that we dominate the rugby. I think they've just got a, a better pool of players, same reason. Um, and they play a harder, um, tougher form of the game on a more regular basis, but I like the concept, uh, Lachlan, and um, I wonder if it's been, um, if it's ever been explored over the years. Charlie, uh, hi Smithy, read the crowds at the footy, I think it comes down to the matchups in each sport. At the Warriors' big uh, Saturday game, 19,000 turned up, and yes, for the Blues' force game, there was a lot less. However, the week before, at the Blues' Crusaders' game, there were 24,000, 5,000 more one for the, the Warriors' big game in the same city. So good matchups bring the crowds in either code. Dead right, Charlie. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, I think, in fact, it was the force, and the force are, uh, had no real successful history. Uh, I think that's a, a real valid reason for that. Um, I, I think uh, if the Crusaders uh, were to play the Hurricanes um, or perhaps uh, the Chiefs, let's get a gauge on it when they, uh, uh, the Hurricanes play the, uh, the Chiefs play the Blues this weekend. Let's uh, take a look at crowd figures there. Uh, particularly with the Warriors being uh, out of town um, over there um, in Cronulla. So uh, we shall we'll take a gauge on it. But it's something we're going to monitor, Charlie, 
because I, I think overall um, the news is not good as opposed to just being uh, blanketed by the fact that uh, the matchup isn't uh, the ideal one. And uh, the, the one of the reasons why um, the Warriors go, uh, fans go, is because they love the Warriors, uh, they love the players, they love the grouping, they love everything about the Warriors. And it's not so much about the competition of who they're playing. It's, it's, it's not. Uh, it's the fact that the Warriors are playing. It's the Warriors that are playing. That's why they go. Um, can you say the same thing about the Blues? Because the Blues are playing uh, heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of people are going to turn up because it's all about the Blues. That's the worrying thing for me. So thank you very much uh, for your text this morning. Um, hopefully SENZ gets the cricket, Chris. You might be spot on there at some stage in the future because our their old boss Hutchie just loves a live sport on his radio station. So now that it's possibly up for grabs, isn't it? Uh, I was just thinking ironical too, uh, Logan, when you think that um, Spark Sport was New Zealand cricket's new baby. Uh, they finished, basically. And now when it came to the, the radio side of things, Today FM was their baby as well. And for all intents and purposes, the news isn't good there either. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think uh, Today FM did themselves, well, didn't do cricket fans a lot of favours because quite often when I would look to find uh, the cricket commentary to see how it was going, it's buried on the app rather than they did it as a separate channel. It wasn't on the frequencies uh, as you would imagine we probably would do. So I think that that definitely didn't help because not everyone downloads the app uh, or has access to do that, as you can tell when, you know, some of our um, frequencies go off here. But Mm. it is it is disappointing to see when you see the likes of, you know, uh, Tova's producer tweeting that MediaWorks had a five year plan with Today FM and then they blatantly lied about that. The whole idea, like I, I used to work with MediaWorks under the TV arm with NewsHub and then MediaWorks wanted to get out of the TV game because they saw that radio was where the money is so they got out of it Discovery picked up uh, the TV side of things there from them and now look where they are they're just abandoning ship leaving people in in lurch not knowing what their future is going to be I mean there's a lot of really talented um, hard working journalists you know presenters, producers that all work there, they're all going to be on the market now. So I I just hope that they can find a home that actually appreciates them and the skills that they have because today clearly didn't. Well, 170 170 people apparently around content and uh, other areas of uh, Sky Television are about to lose their jobs as well, according to a a headline I saw yesterday. So, wow, um, not good signs. to be fair. Anyway, we'll box on. We certainly will. And that means uh, Staffy this afternoon. So we'll catch up with him shortly.